Father's Day. Let's stand on up. Let's worship the Lord this morning. your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. With all my mind, with all my strength, I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my
So God, during this time together, just um, help us grow closer to our Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, everyone, say hello to those around you today. All right, good. Happy Father's Day to the fathers and to everyone else here. We want to welcome you and thank you for being here, part of today. You are, if you are here or you're watching online, you're part of one of the lowest attended Sundays of the year. Um, it's very, it's fascinating. We we can all we'll talk about some of this today, but Mother's Day tends to be one of the highest attended days in the church, and Father's Day tends to be one of the lower ones, so, um, and we're going to talk about some reasons for some of these things. Well, welcome. If you're visiting with us today, awesome. Give yourself a gold star. We are glad that you are here. Hopefully, if, you, um, if you're visiting um, for the first time, you received a card, and you can, uh, um, we can go ahead and cross that. I do know that our, our young people, our um, middle school kids, uh, are headed to, for breakfast today. They have a breakfast Bible study, and they love it. Um, and I think Bob does too, uh, and whoever goes with him. Um, so they, they do that monthly, and it's awesome. So we hopefully that they connected there. Um, but for visitors, if you got a card, just fill that out. Drop it in the plate. We, we're glad that you're here. I, I say this a lot. People who um, tune in a lot may, may not think that... Um, may get tired of hearing this, but I never get tired of saying it. You're here not because you wandered in, not because somebody invited you, because God called you here today. And um, your daddy wanted you to hear today. So um, welcome. Just relax. First thing, relax, and just let, um, let God just, just give you what he needs. So you can look at a lot of these uh, different things. A um, couple things. We always have it in there about me- becoming a member of Haven. The survey we did several months. Thank you for the, um, those people who did participate in that. Um, next uh, week, we'll have a commissioning service for uh, Stephen Ministry. I do want to draw attention once again to the Grief Share informational meeting after church on July 8th. Um, so uh, that's for people who are interested in volunteer opportunities. And then uh, later in the year, we will be going ahead and doing Grief Share. We all carry grief around with us, whether it's the loss of someone that we love who passed away, or whether it's through divorce or other kinds of things. Um, There's several different ways that we experience grief and, and deal with them. And Grief Share is one of the greatest uh, biblical programs that we can deal with that, okay? Um, you can see some of the various uh, meetings after church. This Friday, our youth will be headed to... Uh, What's the name of that thing, that big mountain thing? Refreshing Mountain. mountain. I knew it was some kind of mountain. Um, So um, they're going to have a great time there. And you can look at the other information about the Footprints team also. Um, The cards, we we do have some of those um, intentional acts of Christian kindness cards. Um, And it was really cool. If anybody's part of Northeast 21901 on Facebook, somebody, I don't know who, um, 
did an awesome gift, gracious thing last week, and there were so many people like, wow, it was awesome. They were talking about it, talking about it. And if you've ever been a part of that group, you know there's a lot of times it's not talked about really nicely on there. So it was great to go ahead and have some really awesome stuff, and you did that by serving God and just by, by loving others. Um, and there's a new Wednesday morning study starting on the June 27th, if you want to see that. Uh, a couple different outreach opportunities that you can look about, um, which I already mentioned the one about sharing. Um, we also, reminder, bring your dirty cars next week. Um, and right after church, the uh, youth are going to go ahead and do a car wash fundraiser for uh, the trip to Haiti. Um, and also on the 13th, there's a basket bingo for Haiti. Paris Foundation is today. Mike, I saw you in your... Shirt, yes, go. We good? We're good. And then there's still opportunities for July 15th if you'd like to help out. We do that monthly, and that is an awesome, awesome experience to go ahead and, and do so. Um, John, are you the uh, Vanna White today? Okay, there's uh, Vanna White. There we go. Um, so that's John's last name. In case you don't know, that's John's last name, White. Okay, close. Um, so uh, right there, you can see where we are. We're on the bottom chain there. We want to thank everybody for continually giving. Um, every, uh, each one of those chains represents somebody donating $10 and getting us um, across, and then we're going to come back through there, and that, that helps support the ministry opportunities in Haiti, and um, we're really excited about what God is doing there. With, um, with the little that we provide to Pastor Oog, he is just doing some awesome stuff, so I'm, I'm thankful for all those things, all right? Um, our prayer list today, let's look at our prayer list. Um, Joanna Shea has asked um, prayers for healing for my family. Um, I want to lift up uh, Wes Pender and his family in the passing and the funeral um, service of his father, Harry, that we had, that many of you may, may as Chunk Pender. Um, he passed away, and we had his service this week. Jen Legallo asked for prayers for direction um, for Benjamin um, because of some conflicts at work. The, his uh, internship at the zoo um, went away because of some, some changes in, nothing he did, Ben's awesome, Benjamin's awesome, but because of uh, some shifting at uh, at the, at the zoo with employment. So please go ahead and lift him in prayers that God's going to open a door there. And Jen also asked for prayers for the youth group retreat, all right? Um, before I ask this, um, also, if you're watching online, go ahead and submit those prayer requests online. We'll be glad to get them to, um, if you submit them on our website, they go directly to Debbie. She makes sure they get out. Uh, Donna, we're glad she, she was in the emergency room this week, so we're glad she's back with us. Uh, do we have anyone else to add to our prayer list? All right. Oh, there's one. Yeah, Debbie. Yeah, right. Today's Father's Day, and um, and that's right. And Donnie, um, my my friend Donnie, her son Donnie passed away over a year ago now, which is hard to believe. So be with his his children and also the family who's missing him. I know. All right. Okay. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, uh, happy happy Father's Day, Dad. Um, we just uh, thank you for loving us so much the love of the Father. Um, and so, uh, God, here we are today. Um, seems like the years and the months click by and tick by, and yet, um, yet, God, you remain the same. You're an incredible, incredible loving Father. And so during this time today, there are so many needs, so many prayer requests for those that experience loss and that, that Father's Day may not be a, a joyous time. We ask that you be with them. Um, for those who are dealing with illness or sickness or other kinds of things, touch their hearts. For those of us who um, just need some direction in life and aren't quite sure where we are, and we could be 18, 17, 18, 
or we could be uh, 56 and still not have a clue. Um, God, just lead us and guide us in your way. We thank you for the many joys that you've given to us, for families that need healing and restoration, for, uh, for hearts that need mending. Whatever it may be, God, you are a, a loving God, and you give good things, and you want to connect, uh, and you, you, you want to connect and take care of your children. And so, God, um, part of that is the many blessings that you have given us, not, not only those financial, but the greatest blessing of all, you've given us your son, Jesus Christ. But as we take time now not to, uh, not to just shift gears, but, God, to continue our worship, um, that, that as we give, this is an act of worship, and um, you make all things possible. We have a lot of announcements on there, and we're doing some awesome things. It's so powerful, God, that one act of someone in a line, um, in a line that seems to be going slow, that at the end of getting, getting their, uh, paying for their stuff, they lean back to the person next to them and said, here you go. And they give them a, a gift card, and it, it goes all over the world. It's just an act of loving one another. So God, I just thank you for people's hearts and minds and commitment to you. We love you, God. And during this time, as the cheerful giver gives back um, to you, not to uh, stay in this building, not to stay here, but to go around the world, that God, you will uh, multiply it and use it to further your kingdom, not only here, not only in our community, not only in our, in our state, not only in our, our, our country, and not only in the world, but that we can see lives changed eternally. For this and all things, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand one last time for the song. Again, let's sing out. Good you are, Lord. How good you are to us every day in our lives, Lord. Sing it out all together.
as you draw me deeper still as you draw me deeper still as you draw me deeper still and to scripture this morning is 1 Corinthians 4 verses 14 through 17. I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. I don't care how late you stay out. Stay out as late as you want. You want to borrow the new car? You want to borrow my credit card? Kids today, they really have it rough. I have no idea where we are or where we're going. I mean, when I was their age, life was easy, super easy. Why haven't you gotten a tattoo yet? How come you don't have any piercings yet? Yep, we're lost. We are completely lost. Ooh, sports. It, it, just do whatever the mechanic says to do. Vehicle maintenance is completely overrated. Look, whatever the mechanic is asking, just pay him. Pay him whatever he wants. I wish they had soap operas at night. I like that boy. You should date him. You should date him immediately. Well, what about the creepy guy with the motorcycle? He's cute. Yeah, sure. Spring break in Tahiti sounds fun. Hey, make sure you get all your video games done before you start your homework. You don't have to pass all your classes. What? You have a project due tomorrow and you've known about it for four weeks and you haven't started yet? 
Sweet! Doesn't anybody want to know if we're there yet? Remember, if you need anything between midnight and 4 a.m., please come wake me up. Hey, I'm on the phone. Could you bring the baby over and let him climb all over me? Hey! Hey, can you please turn that music up? Well, we just stopped for lunch 10 minutes ago, but yeah, let's stop again. I never have trouble with my toddler. I never have trouble with my teenagers. I never have trouble with my adult children. You know, she's right. We are ruining her life. Yes, more homework to correct. All right, whining. Yay, tantrums. Mmm, vomit. We just really need to spoil these kids more. Sorry, buddy. I don't know any good jokes at all. You're 16. You pretty much know everything now. I think 18's a great age to get married. Okay, remember, make sure you turn on all the lights before you leave the house. Hey, could you leave the front door open for a couple hours? Thanks. Whoa, money really does grow on trees. All right, all right. A little bit different for uh, for the message today uh, with the. Uh, Two kind of uh, holidays coming off of our uh, two series. I want to do a couple weeks of standalone sermons um, that just kind of build up and set for the summer, and then we'll kick in some other series for the summer. I thought that was really good. Um, like uh, I also, I, it was between that and another video that I uh, located. But I like um, this one. I thought I, I do. You know, I love the f- fact he said in there he doesn't have any good jokes. Um, how many? How many have ever told a dad joke? How many have ever heard a dad joke? Kind of like uh, this one. Um, let me see what's this one. Oh, here we go. Want to hear a joke about paper? Never mind. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, why did the coffee? Uh, why did Why did the coffee f- file a report to the police? It got mugged. Yeah, these are These are horrible, aren't they? Um, Dad, can you put my shoes on? No, I don't think they'll fit me. Uh, what do you call a cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. All right. And let me see. What, I'll give you another one. Um, what did the grape do when he got stepped on? He let out a little wine. There we go. That's good for today. So you can pass those horrible ones off. There's plenty of them um, that are there. All right. Today we are going to do a, a sermon. How many remember that? Um, I almost made the, the, um, the, this uh slide today like this um, story. I, did, I used some of the, gra- the, the text, uh, the font, but I was thinking, how many remember that, that I th- think it was, it was in the Dr. Seuss general, but I don't think Dr. Seuss did it, that book, Are You My Mother? You remember that one where the, he's going around asking that? And I almost did name this Are You My Father, but um, I thought this would work anyway. So anyway, um, our verse today is going to be, we're going to, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to touch on some fathering and uh, father situation today with Father's Day. And I realize for some that can be a really touchy emotional subject. And that's awesome. That's why I want to do it. Um, for some, it may be an emotional one because um, you may um, have a father who's no longer here. Or um, for some of you, it may be emotional because you do have a father who's here. So I recognize it's all over the place when it comes to this. And that's why I really believe God wants us to share this message. And our verse for today, and I really believe it's simple, but it's a powerful message. And so here we go. Um, I want you to look at our, our main verse for today, and you'll see where I kind of got this title for the 
message today. Let me give you some context of this. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he wrote most of the New Testament. And if you really want to find out who he's writing to, look at the name of the book. If it's, if it's like Corinthians um, or that, he's writing to a church. Okay. If it's in the list of a name like Timothy or Titus, he's writing to a person. So, um, and they became things that we use for the church, but particularly if it's a name, he's writing to a person. If it's a city, he's writing to a church. And so here's what he says um, here. He, um, write, he's writing to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth it was an interesting church. Corinth was one of the main cities in the Greek world. And they were very intelligent people that lived there. They were very wealthy, um, and they had a lot of immorality. Kind of seems like the United States, right? Seems like where we live. The intelligent people, lots of wealth and abundance in many areas, but yet there also tends to be a high level of immorality. And in these three years since he planted the church, when he's, when he's writing this, they kind of got off kilter a little bit, got off the track a little bit. And so here's what he writes. He says, number one, I am writing this not to shame you. The reason why is because he really kind of hammers on them early, and he kind of hammers on them a lot late. But Paul had this great way of he's starting, grace and peace to you. It'd be like if I saw you, hey, you look great. How you doing? And then I just nail you in the middle about something, and at the end say, wow, it was so awesome. You really enriched my life. So the first part, you say, wow, that was great. The middle, you're like, uh, and at the end, you're like, oh, I feel good again. That's kind of what Paul does in his letters, and he's doing that here, and he says, I'm not writing to shame you, but to warn you as, and I love this statement, my dear children, my dear children. And then he says, even if you had a thousand guardians, or some areas even say teachers, he says, you do not have, look at this, you do not have many what? Fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. So he's saying, I am your spiritual father. In other words, you have a lot of knowledge. You have a lot of teachers and guardians. You have people who are filling you with a lot of information. However, you, don't have, you have a lot of uh, information, but you don't have a lot of relationship. And so then he continues. He says, therefore, and remember what I said about Therefore. You got to see what it's there for, okay? Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son whom I love. And Timothy is going to be the, the pastor at that church, and he's a young guy, who I, is faithful in the Lord, and he will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in any church. All right? So let's just pray one Real quick again. God, we are here today, and um, we just want to hear from your word. Make your word come alive for us. Um, Not only just that we hear this, we feel good, we go about our day, but God, bring the uh, revelation of Jesus, the revelation of what what your intention for fathers and, and for that relationship that we have or haven't had, what your intention is in the world, and just, God, begin to do a healing in areas where there's brokenness, begin to bring strength in areas that are weak. And we'll give you the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many of you have a cell phone? Anybody have one of these? How many of you, uh, let me take a poll. How many of you had a flip phone at one point? Okay. We got an old crew. Um, How many of you, I'm not going to ask if you still have a flip phone so we can laugh at you. Um, How many of you had a bag phone? There we go. 
Um, how many of you had the, the phone that was like a bag phone, but they bolted it into the floorboard? Of your, uh, you, you remember those? Now, the bag phone, like if you ever look at an old episode of Miami Vice with Sonny Crockett and Tubbs, right? If you see that, I remember him pulling up and taking out the bag phone. It was about this big, right? And you would take it out, and you'd be like, and we were like, oh, he's talking on the phone. Uh, for those of you who had it, you remember? Service was awful. Um, you used it, not like we do now. We use this for all the time, don't we? We're constantly on it, but back then you used it in an emergency, and the call was like $50 a minute. Am I right? And you, you just did it like to impress people, and then you paid the bill like you probably had to, had to finance your firstborn child. You're probably still paying it off, but it was, it was there. And over the years, we have developed where we've made that journey where they, they got a little bit better, and I remember the first time. I remember having a pager. Anybody remember having that? Remember when doctors and lawyers were the only ones who had pagers? And then when you got one, you thought you were cool and you had your little code. If they really needed to talk to you, it was 411 for information. But if it was an emergency, they would text you 911 and you had to run to the phone and pay phone. Remember those things? You had to drop quarters in or had that little calling card to go ahead and you make the call and then you say what? And they'd say, oh, where's the ketchup or something like that. So you'd be like, ah, uh, you know, so these were the kind of things. Now we are so accessible and we have several things. Matter of fact, when, we, when I say take out, um, take out your Bible, many of you just open up and click an app that says version. Am I right? Many of us, how many have ever been on version? If you don't have it, it's the most awesome Bible app, and it's, um, I do a devotion on it every day with some people who are in the church and some other friends. And so t- as technology has advanced, now we can't do without these things. We feel like we left the house without our pants on if we leave our phone in the house. And we have these kind of different things. Then we went, we went and then, then something called Facebook came out, right? And then, then Facebook wasn't good enough, and now we had to have Twitter and Instagram and now we got a Snapchat, and now there's, it keeps telling me that people are following me on Quora, and I don't have a clue what it is, but people are following me. Thank you for following me. Ain't much there, because I don't even know that I downloaded it. But we have these kind of things that we have, and, and if you ever see like young people, they are awesome at it, aren't they? They're like flipping between different ones and posting to one, and one's going to the other. And, and so we have this thing that we call social networking, don't we? And I remember like when you, when you have the social network and you start to tell somebody something, they say, oh yeah, I saw that on, on this or I, I heard about that on this. And so you, you have that. Now, one of the things I started to look at this, it reminded me of what Paul is saying here, that in this social networking age, we have accessibility and a knowledge, is, knowledge is duplicating every so many months more than ever in history, and yet we have more information at accessibility. Do you remember when you didn't know something and you had to say, I don't know, or you had to go to the card catalog and get in, or look up, God forbid, that microfish stuff where you had to sit and search? Kids, if you don't know, just your parents will show you later, okay? Um, Google it. It's probably a video on YouTube of some old person using microfish. But you had to do these things to find information. Now it's at the click of a button in a second, and we fool people and make them think. And we have all this great information and this great social networking, but I believe that the more information we have, the less relationally we really are. And we're losing something in relationship. You know, have you ever sat at a restaurant and seen a whole family sitting at a table, all with their cell phones, not talking to each other, and somebody would come, go ahead, and some of us may be guilty of this, somebody would go ahead and order, and you're like, you have to nudge your, your 
spouse and say, come on, go ahead. You have to nudge your kids and say, uh, they're ordering, put the phone down, you know, or maybe you can just text it in before you get there. I mean, that's where we are anymore. And so I think that we, with dealing with less relationship, I think one of the areas that, it, that is one of the largest areas of relationship struggle, and it, it's, it's, for many of us it could have occurred well before we had social networking, is relationship with fathers and fathering. It's often when you begin to talk with people about uh, their, their fathers or those people that filled those roles, it often can be a very painful area of a person's life to think about the father relationship. Many people are, are upset by the things that did happen, and other people are broken by the things that didn't happen or could have happened. You see, for some, this day, Father's Day, is one that is dreaded by many people. And you see, I believe that Satan wants to destroy the, the relationship God has designed for our betterment, and fathering is part of that. Whether it be our natural fathers, or whether it be our spiritual fathers, or whether it be even the relationship with our heavenly father, Satan knows that to destroy that relationship is a powerful thing. Now, don't get me wrong. Mother relationship is extremely powerful in its own right. It's unique. But just as a fatherhood relationship can't replace a mother relationship, neither can a mother relationship, no matter how great the mother is, replace the father relationship in the same way and vice versa. You see, relationship is, what I've found out with people who are in relationship struggles, whether it be marriage or friendship or something else, I find out that the, the things that they come and share and the things that they talk about, particularly those who break up, they start to share things um, or they haven't talked to people in a while in their family, they start to share things. Well, they did this and this and they did that and this or they didn't do this. And I find out that those are just symptoms of a deeper problem that it's, the stuff is not about the problem is the relationship and what's there. And I really believe that Satan wants to destroy the process of God's receiving God's blessing. And you say, how do you know, Jack? Let's go to Malachi chapter 4, 6. And I think this is really cool because this is the last verse in the uh, Old Testament. Last one we have. And it sort of sets up for, and I really believe it, cre- it gives us the idea of why Jesus had to come in the first place. Let's look at this. Malachi says this, and he's talking about the chosen one who we know is Jesus. And he says, he will turn the hearts of their parents to their children, or actually traditionally says the fathers to their children, and the hearts of their children to their fathers or parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. What does this technically mean? It means that it's already cursed when we don't have that relationship between our fathers, as it's historically written in this area. I want to turn the hearts to their fathers and the kids, vice versa, or there is a curse. In other words, when you, you have either blessing or curse, and if you miss out on God's blessing, you end up cursed in this area. There are examples. When you talk to anyone, there are thousands of examples of someone whether it be a father, whether it be a coach, whether it be a pastor, whether it be a coworker, no matter what it may be, people that filled this kind of role in this fathering area of brokenness. We have tons of stories of pastors who have failed and hurt people. We have tons of stories of fathers who have left brokenness all over the place. We have uh, stories of coaches who signed up and that we think that they signed up to help kids, but they signed up to belittle them. And we find out that they leave 
scars into people's lives that last forever. There are so many stories of hurt and brokenness. When I was in seminary and graduate school, and I graduated in 1999, and you can do the math uh, on that, how many years ago that was, I did a study, I did a study with another friend of mine on fathering. And we learned that even back in the late 1990s, that fathering had a tremendous impact. We interviewed various people on fathering, and I'll never forget this one person who we interviewed sat there and talked about the broken relationship he had with his father. And he, at the age of 50, recognized that he had all kinds of issues because it never seemed to come to a point of healing, and now his father was gone. And I tell you, if it was bad in the 1990s, it's not any better as we stand in 2018. And there are several statistics. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to show you some really disturbing statistics, first of all, and then we're going to get some hope, okay? Does that sound good? All right, so I want to show you why I really wanted to touch on this. Let's look at this first one up here. What we show is effects of fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. That's five times the average. When we look at this next chart here, 90% of homeless and runaway children belong to fatherless homes, 32 times of the normal average. Next one, 85% of all children who show behavioral disorders come from a fatherless home, which is 20 times the national average. Of 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, which is nine times the national average. When we look at the next one, let's hit the next one. When we look at the next one, uh, every, what does it say here? 70% of youth in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. Number six, 85% of youth in prison grew up in fatherless homes. Do we have that one there? Okay. All right, go ahead. There we go. Just keep going. There we go. Um, 63% of, uh, do we have another one there? Click on that. There we go. Um, here we go. A study of 986 women in prison showed that half of them came and had no relationship with their father. Let's go to the next one. Daughters of single parents without a father are involved are involved. Are 50, without a father involved, are 53% more likely to marry as teenagers. Click the next one, please. 60, uh, keep on going. I got, this is the one I want you to get, I guess. Okay, here we go. Um, 71% are more likely to have children as teenagers, and 92%, if they do get married, are more likely to be divorced. Let me look at this. Can you continue, please? Effects of fatherless homes, again, we look here, 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers are from fatherless homes. Are you getting a picture? Keep going. With fathers involved, 40% of the children are, more like, are less likely to repeat a grade in school. Next one. 70% are less likely to drop out of school. Next. Um. They're more likely to get A's in school. Some of you say, well, I'm home. How come my kids? All right, so next one. Are more likely to enjoy school and engage in extracurricular activities if a father is connected. Please continue. Faithful fathers, let's go to the church. If a father and mother both attend church regularly, 
33% of the kids will end up as regular churchgoers when they grow up. 41% of the kids will end up attending uh, irregularly, and a quarter of the kids will not practice at all. Let's look at the next one here. If a father is irregular and a mother is regular in church, 3%, 3% of the children will become regular attenders. 59% will become irregular. 38% will become unchurched. Next slide. If the father is non-practicing and the mother is regular, 2% will become regular worshipers. 30% will attend irregularly, and 60% of their children will be unchurched. Now watch this one. Here we go. If the father is regular and the mother is regular, the percentage actually goes up to, from 33% to 38% will become regular church attenders with 44% not practicing or unchurched. There's something that God had intended about this father relationship. And what we find out is something that is very uh, stand, that stands out a ton. In short, if the father does not go to church, no matter how faithful his wife's um, devotion to it is, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. There's, it, these aren't just, I didn't just pull these out of thin air. They've done studies and studies and studies. There is an importance of fathering in the midst of churches and in the midst of the lives of their children. Fathers have a great role and a great impact. And so today, what I want to do is I want to address some of these areas and give us hope and what God wants to do. So let's go ahead and let's look at our first, our number one thing that we need to deal with today, our principle for bringing back the blessing. What's the first thing we need to do? Allow God to heal the father wound. Now you may say right now, well, I had a good father. I'm, I'm good there. It's great. But I will dare say that there is something in your life that there is a father wound. For me, it's not from my father, I mean, he left me warped in other areas, but um, so, um, but I can say that because he's right here. But um, I would say it if he wasn't. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, many of us and numerous people have a father wound. For me, it comes from two areas as I just quickly look back on my life. They come from areas of people who were coaches, all right, where um, I was belittled for not performing to a level that, I, that they felt I should have. A nickname by one of my coaches, he called, because I was involved in the church, he called me choir boy. All right? So, um, but don't worry, there's some other things that came about in life, and I, anyway, I just, we'll leave that there. But what I'm saying is, that was a nickname that was used to motivate me. And for years, many people, have you, how many of you have ever had a coach that demeans you at some level? Anybody? All right? Whether male, female, whatever, right? That you had a coach that demeaned you. Now, we also live in a time where those of us say, some people need to suck it up a little bit because you're all a little too emotional, right? How many of us say that? All right? But then again, there were those that we saw that completely crushed somebody who was a soul, and that really some of those effects occurred later in life. Some of us may, it may have been a teacher. Did anybody have a teacher that completely uh, devastated you in front of everybody and called you out and left you broken in and, and, and many different ways. And you acted like it didn't care, but it was there. But I can tell you, some of the deepest father wounds that I have in my life came from spiritual fathers or people who were supposed to be spiritual fathers. They came from people who were bishops and superintendents who were supposed to be in charge and leading the gospel of Jesus Christ, but in some ways decided to go ahead and justify their own career and behavior. 
And it left scars and wounds in me that have taken years to heal. Some of them came from people who were, who were um, people in the church that were the pillars of the church. Am I speaking to anybody? And they said things to you or, or did things around you and, and put you down. And, and that many of us can look at in some form of a male figure in our lives that we may have experienced some sort of emotional abuse. And dare I say, many have even experienced physical or sexual abuse that have left scars that, that go deeper than we can ever say. So when we hear Father's Day, the father kind of thing, we may have seen some of these people who they go into the church and they seem like the most wonderful person in the world, but when, when it's alone, it's a living hell that exists there. Anybody know anybody or have experienced anything like this? You know what happens. So many times in my life, like I said, I have been abused by spiritual leadership. And it made me gun shy uh, in certain areas. And it makes me uh, distrusting of those who are in spiritual authority. And um, there's a great book, particularly if you, um, if you have sons. Um, but it also has some section on, on women as well. It's called Wild at Heart. Um, it's right here that you can see here by a guy named John Eldridge. And anybody ever heard of this book? Anybody ever heard it? It's, it's a really, really fascinating book. And in chapter four, he deals with the wound. And what he talks about in here, he talks about, he kind of talks about in this book, why, you know how like when you put two or three boys together, like they're tearing stuff up, blowing something up, throwing stuff, running around. You know, they could just meet each other and they could be running around. You, you get it? Like if you hang out after church, you'll see it. It's awesome. Like they're just like, ah, you know. You know, girls will be like, yeah, you know, and then it'll be fine. Boys are like, Aah! and occasionally you'll get a girl that's like in there with them, you know, that kind of stuff. But, but what I'm saying is um, he kind of tries to explain where that comes from. And in chapter four, he talks about the father wound. And what he says is that we, we often end up in this kind of area that we try, because of these wounds that we have from these figures in our lives, that we end up trying to compensate from those things in life. That often, with this energy and this, uh, this nature that we have, it's great if anybody ever taken a kid that's like just bouncing up the walls and you head them in a direction and they're like, yes. But if they have idle time, like you're gonna have to call the fire company, you, get, you know what I mean? And so um, he tries to explain a lot of this stuff and he says that what we struggle with, there are two ways that comes out because in order to deal with that and with these relationships, we end up what he calls, we do a pose or we're posers. We kind of create something that we're not. And it comes out in two ways. One of those is the overly passive person where, where he calls them retreating men. That the overly passive where the wife is absolutely responsible for everything. Bills, work, get the kids to school, to church, makes all the decisions. They're really good at maybe the remote. That's about it. You know what I mean? And he says they, they experience it that way because what they've done. And he gives examples in this book. One person who was an attorney that had a successful career, but he could not make any decision or relationship and hated any form of conflict because of the, the broken nature that he had with his father. Basically, his father said, you're on your own. He wanted to be on your own. And it just left him that he was feeling alone in life and didn't know where to turn. Or it could be the opposite side where you're the overly aggressive, where you're, he says, driven and borderline violent, 
where you're just, I put my foot down. I'm in charge. I'm the male. Boom, 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 boom. Follow me. Rah. Right? How's that working for you guys, right? And so he says, basically, we are posing in these realms because something's missing from our lives. And in order to do this, he does a great aspect of something that I've read a billion times and I've checked over a billion times and it really stood out to me at this point. Where he used the story in Genesis 25 of two twins, Jacob and Esau, who are two twin brothers who are very, very different, extremely different. One is red and hairy, that's Esau, and the other one kind of is just smooth and just like, Mama's boy, all right? So here you have Esau. Esau is a man's man. He's like, <laughs> right? He is a hunter, and, and, and he's just awesome. And Jacob is a mild man. Actually, the scripture says he's complete, or, or it means he's gentle. He's a mama's boy. Now let's look at what this verse of scripture says. It says, so the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man. How many, how many want that about you? This is my son Esau. He's a hunter. Here's my mild man, right? We don't like that. That doesn't seem something that we want. And he was a mild man, and he dwelt in tents. And you know what that means? He just stayed real close to mama, right? And look at this verse. This verse I've read over a billion times, but I want you to look at what it says here. And I want you to put yourself in the, in the place of Jacob. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. Now I want to tell you, uh, and then I'll read the next one. But Rebecca, what? Love Jacob. Now there's something we lose in the English here. Isaac, now, now let me take, give you some context. Isaac was the second of promise with Abraham and Sarah, right? And he had a problem with his older brother, Ishmael. So you think by him being the child of promise and being made fun of and all that kind of stuff that he would have a little compassion not at all. Look at, here's what it really says. I'm going to give you this in English. Isaac loved at a moment in time when Esau brought the game home. In other words, it's like the dad at the sporting event. That's my boy. Here you go. woo Yeah. Touchdown. Oh, look at what my son did. But when he's not doing those things, he's distant. Got me? That's what it says about Esau. But what it says about Rebecca. She continually loved Jacob all the time. Two different things there. What you do find out, though, is that Esau hunted to get his dad's love, which he got. Jacob never got it. Anybody see where we're going here? So throughout his life, he wanted that from his father. He wanted the attention. There was something that was missing from him. In other words... Isaac was there, but he wasn't there. And when it came to tent boy, he had no time for. But when Esau brought home the game, he's like, yeah, that's, that's my boy. Look out, that's good. Bring me some of that. Let me eat it. See something a little bit different here? A little bit different? You see, Jacob wanted the love of his father and the attention of his father so badly that he connived with his mother and when his dad was blind, he actually put uh, hair, animal skin hair on his arm. Let me tell you, that's how hairy of a sucker Esau was, right? That he put that on his arm and put on Esau's clothing. And he said, sounds like Jacob, but 
feels like Esau. It smells like him. And he got his blessing. All he wanted his whole life was his dad just to say, hey, I love you and I care about you. And he had to trick and connive, which was his nature and his name, in order to get an I love you from, your dad, from his daddy. That's all he ever wanted. What about us? There are so many of us that walk the face of this earth. That's all we want. That's all we ever wanted. Just time for our daddy to say, I'm proud of you. I love you. Or just to, for some of us, it may have been just a pat on the head. It would have meant the world to us. And now that our dad's gone, we still carry that wound around in us. So what are we going to do about this, Jack? Let's go to James chapter 5, verse 16. And I want you to look at the last two words there. What does it say? What's the last two words say? Be healed. Be healed. We need to be healed from the wound that we have. Look at how it starts here. It says, therefore, confess your sins to who? Notice it doesn't say God. It doesn't say God at all here. We confess our sin to God for forgiveness and salvation, but God's plan is that we confess our sins, and sin just meaning miss the mark, to each other so that we can be healed. Healing comes in community and relationship. It comes in relationship. And then we, after we confess to each other, we pray for each other to encourage, and then we will be healed. Healing comes through relationships. Miraculous things happen when we are together in relationships. And you know what it is about relationship? You have to be vulnerable if you want to have a relationship. Am I right? When you are sharing with someone, how many of you have ever gone to, remember the first time you went to a small group or a Bible study, some kind of study? You remember how you sat around and you looked at people and you're like, you're nice and everybody's got their best on, their best behavior. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we're good. But then if you journey through life a little bit and some people have some situations, some health issues, some marriage difficulties, some illness, whatever you may say, they lose jobs, they use other kinds of things. In that brokenness of our lives, we begin to have, we begin to share with people, they begin to pray for us, and we begin to have a restoration. Even if the situation doesn't get better, we begin to have an inner healing. Am I wrong? Not at all. And so what God has intended for us, if you're broken and walking around in your brokenness, I would dare say it's because we don't want to be vulnerable in the relationship anymore because of the wounds that we have in our life. You see, secrets are what break us down. The secrets that we have in life, if there's no secrets, there's no no concerns. Have you ever seen people in the public eye that they throw everything out there? Nobody can get anything to stick on them because we know it all. And they're like, they say, did you do this? And like, yeah. Okay, there goes the news, right? You know what I mean? And so we, we don't have TMZ if people just blurt it out there. We don't have these things. So when we share with people, I'm not saying put it on the front page of the Cecil Wig. I'm saying find people that you can be vulnerable with, confess to each other, that you can pray with, that you can be healed. Everybody there? All right. When we deal with the father wound, healing occurs. We need to do life together with other people. And you know what? You may have gone to a small group one time, and you said, ain't no way I'm connecting to these people. And they may have said when you walked in, ain't no way I'm connecting to that person. And that's okay. Go to another one. Right? Find until you get there. Number two. Here we go. Number two. 
find a father and be a father. You may say, I didn't have a good dad, okay? Find one, find one, look for them. Don't stop with the bad experience. Find one, and when you find one, then be one. You may go ahead and you may teach Sunday school. You may say, I don't know enough. That's all right. Neither do little kids. If you really want to really pour into somebody, go into the nursery. Go ahead and do that. Maybe you want to coach. One of the reasons why I always wanted to coach, not only because my kid was involved, but I wanted to coach because I wanted people to be able to have somebody they could turn to. I wanted to be the guy that 20 years from now, they'll come up to me in a store and say, hey, coach, what's up? Hey, I want to tell you something. That's the guy I wanted to be for them because in many ways, I had very few of those in my life. Maybe you need to teach. Maybe you need to get involved with scouts or teach dance, or maybe you just need to volunteer at a gym or a boys and girls club or something. You need to be involved in people's lives. We can't just sit back and say, wow, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. These kids today, if we're not going to be willing to get into their lives, because some of them have those statistics of fathering, and it's affecting them because their natural father dropped the ball, and Jesus said, we need to pick it up. It's that simple. It's that simple. Two weeks ago, we talked about spiritual gift assessment. It's online. We've talked about spiritual gifts. Find the gift that, you're, that you've been given and, and get, pass it on to somebody. We are all products of people passing stuff on to us, good, bad, and indifferent. What we put in is what we get out. And so we need to keep putting uh, good things in. I think the biggest compliment I ever got as a coach was when somebody said, was talking about different coaches and they said, Coach was telling another coach and said, Coach Jack's like the Dr. Phil of coaches. I said, said, what does that mean? And I said, like, you can go tell him, like, anything. And I can tell you, as a coach of high school boys, you don't want to know some of the stuff they're telling you. You really don't, because some of it could make you accessory to some kind of crime. You know what I'm saying? So you just kind of say, I don't want to hear that. No, Uh, uh," like that. But I can tell you some of those relationships I've had with those young men have lasted for eternity till the day I leave this, this earth. I have a right to say to them, I'm on their Snapchats. I see the heinous stuff that they do. And when I see them, I can say, boy, you better get your act together. I don't care whether you're 21. I will put my foot where the sun don't shine. You know what I mean? I've got that right because I've journeyed with them since they were in fifth grade. You with me? You can't tell, you can't be one of those people that when a kid's outside acting up and you've had nothing in their lives and you say, don't you kids be doing that? Because they will say, old person, go on in and leave me alone. And rightly they should because you've taken no time of your life to invest in them. And they don't trust you and they shouldn't if you're not willing to invest in their lives. You say, okay, Jack, prove it. I will. Actually, I won't. God will. Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6. It says this, God is a father to the what? Fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely where? In a small group. In a group of people that you're vulnerable with. Does your family know you better than anybody else? Yeah, God wants to set you in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. He leads out the prisoners with singing. 
You know, I've never, I, I was thinking about this. I've never had something bad happen to me in my life. I never remember, just in sports, I never remember getting beaten and going, zippity doo da, zippity day, right? I never did that. I don't think I ever did that anyway, but you know what I mean? I never was cheering. But you know when something good happens, like you're like, oh yeah, I'm good. You make up your own songs. Yeah, we won. We're the champions. We're good. We kicked your butt. You know, we do that kind of stuff. We make up our own song. So what we see is that when we are in bondage and we're not, there are people who are in physical prisons who are in less prisoners than those of us in the wounds of our own existence. God sets the lonely in families. Your father may have been bad, but he wants you to connect to a spiritual family that's good. So these things can, I will tell you, these things can start today. You aren't going to just apply them and go, whoo, I'm good. But I want you to begin to start that process of healing. You need to find a spiritual father and get encouragement from that. There are men and women who can fill those roles all over the place. And then we need to be a father. Look at what Paul writes to Titus. Remember, he's writing to a person, and here's what he says. And there's also a section that we're skipping about mothers to the uh, older women to the young women, but look at this. Teach the older men, and I used to always think about this as like the people who were older, but now I realize I'm slowly in that older men kind of thing. I don't like that. I still think I'm the younger man, but I'm not. And people tell me that a lot, okay? Um, Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and endurance. Then we skip on a little bit more. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. You can't encourage young men to be self-controlled if you aren't yourself. And everything set them, here we go, the hard part, an example by doing what is good. And in your teaching, how many of us are good at talking? Ever had anybody, you ever had somebody in your life in this role who's good at talking but when it came to living it out, really stunk. That's not what you can do here. It says, in your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. That's what God wants for, for those of us. That's the Christian, that's the, that's the spiritual fathers we need in our lives. That's what we need. Number three, everybody good? Number three, relate to God as Father. This is the only and greatest reason for me to remain in ministry. That each and every time I, I come into a context, whether it's a funeral, a wedding, whether it's a sermon, whether it's out in public and somebody introduces me, a Reverend Cohen, it's the greatest reason is connecting you to your daddy. There are so many, and I will say that in, in many areas, some of us have been connected in religion, which is really not connection at all. God wants to be connected to us in relationship, in relationship. That's why he sent Jesus' son, because the, the Orthodox Jews had it down. They had the religion connection done. They had it down. They were, they were, they were zealous. They were, they were zealous for the law of God, but there was no relationship if God only wanted us to connect through religion, Jesus would have never had to come and die and raise again. But because he wanted to have a relationship, Jesus needed to come and bridge that gap. You see, I don't get 
all giddy about the stuff of church. I don't get giddy about the, the titles and things that I've had over the years. I don't get giddy over the number of members in a church. I don't get giddy over all that kind of stuff. What I get giddy over, and that's a weird word, um, makes me sound like I live in tents. Um, so, um, but, <laughs> figure it out. Okay, um, but what I get excited about, there we go, okay, is the fact that people, because of this ministry, all around the world are connecting to relationship with their daddy. That's what it's about. That's all I care about. That's all I care about. You see, we've been taught religion. We've been taught religion. We've been taught God is God and you are not. Even our images have God on a cloud with lightning bolts. That's a dad you want to go to, right? I was scared enough to go to my dad when I did something bad. Because even though he had one leg shorter than the other, if he was running up the stairs, it sounded like the Jaws theme. Dum, 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 dum. And he always grabs your, your leg at the top. You know what Jesus' favorite term for God is? Abba. That mean, it, we, we translate it as father, but it means daddy. When they, when they went to talk to him, they said, hey, his disciples said, hey, in Luke they said, tell us how, how's your prayer life have so much to it? You see, they were good Jewish boys. They were raised in synagogue. They understood like, they knew all that stuff. They were bar mitzvah. They had all that stuff. But he said, there's something different about your prayer. And he said, you're starting the wrong way. You're not supposed to start, blessed are you, Lord God, creator and ruler. Sovereign. He said, watch, here's how you go. Hey, daddy. Look what he says here. He said, when you pray, Daddy, oh, you're holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, etc., etc., etc. He said, start with daddy. Start with daddy. I got to tell you, one of the coolest things early in ministry, and you've heard me say this before, was I was at a fellowship of Christian athletes um, banquet several, several years ago, and it was in Baltimore. And we were there, and they had an inner city kid from the streets of Baltimore. They were talking about how, he talked about how, um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes had changed his life and connected him to Lord. And he, they brought him up, and he gave the closing prayer. And his prayer messed with all my churchiness. It was awesome. He started off and said, hey, Dad, just thanks for being here. And then he went on and on like he was just picked up the phone and was talking to his dad. That's a relationship. It would weird the people out in organized church and religion, but it was the most heartfelt discussion. I've ever heard to this date with a son and his father. You see, we need relationship to call our dad. Like, for instance, I don't pick up the phone, and usually I pick up the phone and I say, hey, what's up? Not much, what are you doing? Uh, I don't usually say, ring. Hello, thine great parent. I, this is thy fruit of thy loins. You know, I don't do that. He would say, what is wrong with you? What are you talking about? That's exactly how he would say it too, right? You know why? Because we have a relationship. So if you're scared about praying, just how many of you pick up the phone when you talk to your dad? Oh, I got to call dad. Right? Just pick up the phone and call your daddy. Pick up the phone. One of the first things that we prayed today as a worship team, when I prayed to say, happy Father's Day, dad. Happy Father's Day, God. You deserve it. In James 1, 17 through 18, 
It says, whatever is good and perfect and is uh, a gift coming down to us from God, our who? Father who created all the lights in heaven. He, here's the thing, something that some of us need to know. He never does what? Changes. He never changes. God never changes. No matter what, he still loves his kids. You remember those times where you did something bad and you were afraid to come home? And you found out, wow, my parents aren't going to totally kill me even though they told me they're going to kill me if I do that. Right? You know, they still love you. Oh, your Father in heaven so much more loves you than that. So much more loves you than that. And what does it say here? He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. In other words, when you come in, he didn't go, I'm not talking to you right now. Right? He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, which is Jesus. And listen to this. This is what you need. If you don't hear anything else today, this is what you need. And we, out of all creation, out of the mountains, out of the trees, out of those really cool little Sharpay-looking dogs that have all the wrinkles, out of all those things, what happens? You became his prized possession. You are the joy of your daddy's life. In other words, in heaven, for you old, older people, when, he says, when somebody says, God, what's your... What's the thing you're most excited about? He pulls out a wallet and it has all those pictures come out. You guys remember that? Or he just keeps swiping for eternity. It shows you what it is. As I was thinking about this message, and I could, I could give a whole other message on people in my life, I just started to think about those people in my life, who, not the ones who have given father wounds, but those who have helped form me into who I believe God is making me become. And I ran into one this last week. He was my baseball coach all but like three years of it. Richard Bowers. Some of you know Richard. And Richard showed me that baseball and sports can be fun. But he also had a way of getting after me as well. I remember him throwing knuckleballs to an early catcher and laughing hysterically at it. I remember he put me in as a pitcher because our our, um, as, as a catcher, he thought I could pitch, and our pitchers were hurt. And just to let you know, the final score was 17-2, to two, not in our favor. It did not work out. And he didn't chew me out. He just said, hey, easy come, easy go. There's another game. I thought of a teacher that I had at Northeast High School whose name was Bruce Connors and how he was more than an English teacher, but he was somebody who would, if you were having issues, would let you come and sit in his room, and he taught you about writing but more than writing, he taught you a little bit about life and taught you that you could make mistakes and you were still worthwhile in life. I saw him go to be a principal and he missed the one-on-one with the students and went back to being a teacher. And I, and I, I still see, when I see him very infrequently to this day, I still remember the impact that he left on my life that actually contributed with him and Gene Clark in causing me to go ahead and, and major in journalism when I went to school. I think of a man who in many ways became a second father to me, Roy Fanning. I sat in his house, ate his food. When he had to get up at 4 and 5 o'clock in the morning, we were up all night, and he never yelled. That was Janet's job. Um, and he never, never got frustrated, but showed me what it was like to love a family. He also filled in the voids where I didn't have in my own family because Dad didn't like the outdoors, and Roy made me go outdoors. Taught me about hunting and fishing and certainly taught me about chopping wood. Lots and lots of wood. All right. I think of other spiritual fathers. Some that have been in the last 10, 15 years. Bill Salmons, 
who became a spiritual father in a very tumultuous point in my life and gave me direction in my life. The one who told me that when I was going to leave and start the church, who told me, and you've heard me say this before, Jack, why are you going with somebody else? God knows you have a family. Trust him. Don't trust in anybody else. Kenny Davis, who we shared a little bit about last week in the Holy Spirit experience, who, who taught me that you can be absolutely insane and completely sane for Jesus at the same time. And you don't have to worry about what people think. You can bask in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't matter how young you are that God calls you. John Hobbs, who is the more steady of the two groups, if you could say that, who taught you that you can have a humor, but anytime, and even though he's impossible to get hold of at times, when you need him, he's there as a rock. Jim Jones, who you had my father as a spiritual father, and he adopted me as a spiritual father, whether he liked it or not, even though the United Methodist Church would not officially let us be in, linked in that way. He became my, not only my father, one of my spiritual fathers, but my brother in Christ. And one of the most difficult things was seeing his mind and body break down. But knowing that today he is home with the Lord and heaven got a lot more interesting last January, last year. And then my natural father, Connie Cohen, who filled in all those areas and every other area. He loved me when I was messing up. He got after me. He used a paddle on my rear end. And even though it broke, he named it Mr. Bobby. Um, and he taught me that you did not have to be perfect. But that in loving Jesus, you just need to love people. And you need to stay strong and keep your feet rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think of my father-in-law who taught me the, the benefits of being quiet at times. He could be quiet. And one of the best benefits I ever know is the man never said anything negative about anybody. I have not grown in that trait, I will tell you. But he didn't. He never said it. Never, ever said it, no matter what would happen. You see, these are a few of the men in my life that have allowed me to become a spiritual father to others. I've said before that I was telling Wayne several years that people that I had as spiritual fathers were breaking down health-wise some of them were passing on, and Wayne said to me, and it jolted me, you are now that for others. That scared the stuffing out of me, because remember, I'm still supposed to be the young guy. But guess what? As I get older, I hope that I hope that I hope that what I've been able to pass on to those kids that I coached, those youth groups that Melissa and I were involved with, those walk to Emmaus, uh, chrysalis events that we did, the church services that we've given, those things that somebody will one day look back to me and say, Jack Cohen was a spiritual father that helped me get to where I, I need to be, that God wants me to be. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Well, how do I want to end this today as the worship team comes up? This is this simple. Whether your earthly father was the worst person that walked the face of the earth Here's what I got to tell you. God does not want you fatherless. God does not want you fatherless. And there's plenty of people out there. Find one and be one. Amen? All right, let's stand. And we're not going to, uh, you know, the, again, the altar is always open because we don't have a closed altar policy. I don't care if I'm in the middle of preaching, you got to pray. That's fine. Um, but usually we end uh, kind of on a quieter note, right, Wayne? 
but uh, or a more solemn note. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna um, we're gonna um, make our spiritual, our heavenly Father happy. Because uh, you ever had your dad say, "What are you tearing off the roof up there?" <laughs> we're gonna tear the roof off.
Tearing the house down? Hopefully. Wouldn't it be cool if God said, what are you tearing the house down away? Yeah! All right. Have an awesome week in Jesus. Um, and may you just, again, as I said today, these aren't things that you take a magic pill and you're like, whoo, I'm all better. The wound's healed. Yay. This is a process. Wounds take a while to heal, right? And so when we have those wounds in our lives, they take a process to heal. All right? So next week, we're going to shift gears a bit and... We're going to have summer enjoyment, okay? So we're going to talk next week. So come on back and uh, get ready for summer. God bless. Have a great Father's Day.